It's time for Brainerd Outdoors on B93.3. Brought to you by Vermal Shoe Store, Randall, Newman Construction, Thielen Meats, and Little Falls, SCR Northern, the guys who answer the phone, Northern Sales and Manufacturing, your Ice Castle dealer in Pine River, Dotsler Power Equipment of Aiken, Tracker Boating Center of Brainerd, Oars and Mine and Crosby, Bimert Outdoors Archery Pro Shops, The Power Lodge, S&W Bait and Tackle, Crow Wing Recycling, Black Bear Lodge and Saloon, and by Radco, your truck accessory pros. Now, here's your host for Brainerd Outdoors, Ryan Moon. And welcome into this week's show. We've got a lot to talk about. Latest on ice out conditions on lakes all across Minnesota. We'll also talk sturgeon fishing up on Rainy River, some crappie fishing locally, plenty of turkey talk, and another great recipe from Chef Joel from Black Bear Lodge and Saloon. All that and more on this week's edition of Brainerd Outdoors. And we'll start things off with our lake and field segment brought to you by Oars and Mine in Crosby. Proud to offer flow dock systems the most durable in the industry. They offer new dock and lift installations so that you can get out on the water sooner. Oars and Mine, located on Highway 6 in Crosby. Kick the show off with our local report. We bring in Jason Freed with Leisure Outdoor Adventures. And Jason always keeping an eye on the immediate Brainerd Lakes area and then heading up towards Leech Lake. We're going to talk a little bit about uh, some crappie fishing and people, you know, now that we're starting to get a little bit of open water out there and some of our ice out situations with some of the lakes here in just a bit. But I guess first off, Jason, as we are recording this on Thursday, last night, we had the uh, Walleye Alliance Banquet here in Brainerd. Uh, I was lucky enough to MC the event. A great event, had a great turnout, and I uh, just want to congratulate you uh, on a great night. I think that was a lot of fun, and people enjoyed themselves. You know, it was a, it was a great event. I mean, for our first year doing it, you know, we set the goal of having uh, 200 people attend, and I think we end up with 193. Um, so we were just about there, and, I mean, I think it all went well, obviously. You know, there's always little things here and there you want to do differently next time, and I think we'll we'll fine-tune those details. But, you know, for the first year and in doing things right, I think a lot of people left happy. And, you know, Al Linder came and spoke and gave a great speech on kind of his history and then obviously get into spring walleyes. And, you know, so, yeah, we're excited. We had, we had membership. Um, you know, people signed up last night, members, new members. Uh, I think hopefully we're, we're generating some excitement in the, in the Brainerd area. Uh, about the Walleye Alliance and in some of its mission about you know helping our, our lakes and being conservationist and giving back to the students and the and the kids and the communities and and whatnot. But uh, I, th- I think if anything, the, the banquet besides having a good time, I think people are excited about uh, the the potential and the future that the Walleye Alliance has. For sure, people want to maybe they couldn't make the banquet last night, Jason, but they want to get signed up or want more information on the Walleye Alliance. How can they do that? You know, we have a website that's just going to be live here at any day now, actually, and it's just the walleyealliance.com. And then we're also on uh, Facebook, uh, which is easy to find there. And then you can find any of us, um, you know, myself, uh, Nate Blazing, Matt Castle, Doug Erickson uh, at Highway 3 Marine. Um, you know, these, those are just to, to name a few of the guys that are on the board, you know. So you can get re- you know reach out to us by a phone, email, you know, Facebook. Uh, and then, like I said, check out the website. That's going to be going up live here any day now. We were, they actually thought maybe it was going to be live yesterday. Uh, but, uh, yeah, it's everything's kind of up and running now, and uh, we're doing well with memberships. And, obviously, now we're, we're looking ahead to summer, and uh, we'll have a, a tournament coming up next fall again at on Pelican. And so some exciting things about to happen. That's for sure. Looking forward to it. And speaking of which, obviously people got open water on the brain right now. A lot of people I talked to last night, that was the case for sure. What can you tell me? I know some of our smaller lakes, uh, we had ice out here in the immediate Brainerd Lakes area. 
What about like Gull, Pelican, Round, North, Long? Are you hearing anything there, Jason? Yeah, actually, it was just online. I haven't had a chance to go drive around yet, but uh, from what I saw online, Gull is uh, basically almost all completely open. I mean, it's, uh, I'm looking at 66 degrees in my truck and uh, 20, 25 mile an hour winds, and uh, the, it sounds like the ice is going super fast. Um, it went out. It pretty much just went out on Gull. I mean, three out, three days ago, there was still white ice out there, and now it's now it's pretty much all gone. So. Um, Sylvan's open. I know uh, 371 Bay was open earlier this week. I would imagine the main part of North Long will be going here as well. Um, you know, all all the small lakes. I mean, all all the lakes in the Baxter area have been open for oh since Sunday uh, and, and Saturday. So uh, it's just I mean, Round is open. Um, you know, pretty much all the Pelican I'd imagine is very close. I have not been up there or heard anything, but uh, with this warm weather and this wind that we're having here in the middle of this week. Um, I, I think, you know, it's actually perfect timing because it's going to be a nice little cool down this weekend. But um, I, from what I can see, the winter is gone and the ice is gone as well. Yeah, well, I'm glad to see that because it, it, it sure took a while, <laughs> no doubt about that. Um, yeah, you know, that's the one thing about Mother Nature. It's, you're never going to beat her. <laughs> that's for sure. Anything to report? Have you heard anything on Leech, too? I know that's a little bit further north. We're going to talk to Matt a little bit later on in the show and see what's going on up north. But have you heard anything off of Leech? Uh, you know, the uh, Steamboat Bay is completely open. Um, you know, it's, it's, it's pulled away from shore quite a ways on the south end of the lake. Uh, Walker Bay is getting pretty beat up as well. Um, you know, so it basically, I mean, obviously with, with it being such a big body of water, uh, there's obviously a bigger sheet of ice and such. But um, I would guess Leech Lake officially, uh, my prediction is all since the beginning has been May 1st. And I'm going to stick to my prediction, and I feel pretty confident that with today's wind and everything in the next few days here, that I would guess by mid-late next week, Leech Lake will be open. So we're looking forward to that. It's only a matter of time. So those that maybe want to get out, do a little open water fishing, Matt, or I'm sorry, Jason, uh, if they want to do that here, crappie fishing especially, are water temps a little chilly for that right now, or are they able to get out and do some of that? You know, I've actually heard some pretty good reports on the days where we've had nice sun, um, and some calmer wind, uh, the crappies have been up shallow, uh, anywhere from two to five feet of water, uh, which is kind of surprising as early as it's been. Um, you know, ice out just coming off the lakes, but, um, you know, just a good rule of thumb is you just got to kind of play the, the wind and the weather conditions. Uh, good sunny days, those fish are going to slide up into those, um, those more muddier bays. That's the other thing to pay attention to, you know, is so you want to fish the north end of the lake because it gets the most sun exposure. It's going to have the warmest water in the bays on the north end, and you want to find those bays that have darker, muckier bottoms uh, because that darker bottom just conducts more heat, and then water warms up. So, like, you know, Upper Gull is obviously a well-known. Margaret's a well-known. Um, you know, some areas that are on Gull, for example, um, those places seem to heat, warm up a little bit faster, and you see a lot more boats up there. Uh, but the same goes true on almost every lake, you know. So if you're focusing on crappies, you know, look for those things. Uh, harbors are also good areas to focus on crappies this time of year. They typically will slide into those harbors. And then just, you know, if you go in there and it's a cooler day, you know, just understand that those fish aren't, aren't there because the water temperature's cooled down overnight or it's cold or it's rainy or whatnot. And then just know that those fish aren't going to go very far. They're just going to slide back out into the deeper waters. So that's where you got to use your electronics and, uh, and just kind of try to focus on them. And, and, and then you might have to vertical jig them. You might have to slip bobber fish them or, or whatnot. But typically this time of year, the best rule of thumb is just uh, either a casting bobber or a slip bobber with a uh, you know, real light 30-second-ounce 30, 30 jig and a tube. Or you know, some people like using minnows. I don't think you really need to use them. But, um, and that's pretty much about it. And just fan cast, 
around until you catch uh, you know you catch a couple and then anchor or spot lock and then you really work that area over. Like the bigger bodies of water, from my experience, is when it comes to pan fishing, they don't get good until later in May. To be honest, um, you know certain parts, the harbors and stuff, maybe will. But the, I think this time of year, the best rule of thumb is to uh, is focus more so on the smaller bodies of water and going from there. And I think that you're going to have your best luck just doing that. There you go. That's Jason Freed, Leisure Outdoor Adventures. You can check him out at leisureoutdooradventures.com and all over social media as well. I appreciate it, Jason. Good stuff as always, and we will talk to you soon, okay? Sounds good. Thanks, Brian. Let's head out to Mille Lacs, get the report out there from Steve Saponiak with Predator Guide Service. And Steve, kind of the theme this week, obviously we're talking about uh, open water and what's opening up and what isn't. Uh, obviously Mille Lacs, that's where you're stationed at, uh, is not completely open yet but uh, progress is being made i guess well definitely progress is being made a lot of the bays are completely open or starting to get there brian the main body of course basin isn't open you know but around the edges all the way around there's open water like i said isle bay looks like it's completely open you know walk on bays getting there you know it's just a matter of uh let the wind kick in and things will be coming to an end pretty quick here and uh you know Open water fishing season is right around the corner, so it's the best of both worlds happening. Would you recommend, Steve, if somebody could get out to do a little crappie fishing in those areas, open water, be able to do it, or maybe from shore, or do you think it's a little early? You know, I don't think it's too early. I, you know, they're starting to move, you know, all around central Minnesota, so it's just a matter of a couple more days before things get going up on Mille Lacs Lake a little bit better, better than what they have been. Definitely you can fish for the crappies from shore, Brian, but I'd like to get out there with a boat, get away from the people where they can't cast and have just as much good luck, you know, doing it that way. You know, keep in mind there's quite a few good spots on um, Mille Lacs Lake this time of year for crappie fishing. You know, Max Twin Bay is good. Garrison area is very good. Isle Bay is good. You know, Wacom Bay can be good. Same with Cove Bay. These are all good areas as well as the whole east side and everything. So, yeah, if you can get out, wet a line, have some fun, get the kids out from shore, why not? Mostly the southern uh, area, southeast and southwest, is opening up completely. You know, the other smaller bays and stuff are still having a little little harder time, like Cove Bay, you know, but around by shore and everything, they're opening up pretty good and stuff, and that's where you're going to have your most luck anyway with panfish this time of year is towards shore anyway. What about the smaller lakes around Mille Lacs? Are they starting to open up too? Definitely starting to move around. The ice is moving around a little bit more, uh, like Shakopee, Farm Island, Smith, Borden, and all of them. You know, it's just a lot of water from the shoreline opening up. There's still plenty of ice on the main bay itself, or excuse me, not bay, but lake itself. But uh, give it some time here, another week or so, Brian, with the wind, and I bet you we're going to have a lot of small lakes completely open. There you go. Steve Spaniak, Predator Guide Service. You can check him out at PredatorGuideService.com. I appreciate the info as always, Steve. I'll talk to you soon, buddy, okay? My pleasure, Brian. Thank you. All right. When we come back, we'll head up north, talk to Matt Brewer with North Country Guide Service in Bemidji. We'll see what ice-out conditions are up on some of our northern lakes. Also talk some turkeys with Matt when we come back to Brainerd Outdoors on B93.3. Welcome back to Brainerd Outdoors on B93.3, and we head north for the Up North Report. And bring in, as we always do, Matt Brewer with North Country Guide Service in Bemidji, who's actually heading west. Uh, the blizzard caused Matt to cancel his South Dakota trip. When we talked to Matt here last, he was quite depressed about that. Uh, but we catch Matt on the road now heading west to South Dakota to kind of basically still get that trip in, Matt. I'm glad you actually were able to, to fit it in. Yeah, I had to cancel a couple obligations to get this in, but you spend uh, spend money on a tag, you gotta got to go try to fill it. So, uh myself 
and perch or are headed out to the hills and search of a Merriam. So hopefully have some luck and uh, and hopefully this drive goes a little faster. Um, <laughs> you can only stare at the planes out here for so long. It gets to be pretty monotonous. So. Yeah, that's the tough thing is the drive out there. Um, but as you said, we, and we talked a few weeks back and I encourage people if they want to check that episode out, just go to BrainerdOutdoorsRadio.com. Uh, the the archive episodes are there as well as podcasts um, you can check out too. And Matt talking about exactly why he wants to go out to South Dakota to hunt these Merriams out there, all part of his Grand Slam. Um, but I guess let's talk locally here, turkeys, Matt. Uh, up by you, it looks like Tate had some luck. Uh, you've been able to take the kids out and do some hunting. So, so far, so good uh, early season so far. Yeah, it's been really, really good. I took uh, Nora that o- opening weekend. Um, we went out on Saturday afternoon, scouted a little bit, had a close call and a couple gobblers, and uh, ended up putting those birds to bed. And then got up early the next morning and got out in the rain and the, the chilly weather and, and she had one heck of a show. I mean, she had three gobblers come in and full strut and gobbling their faces off and right at sunrise. I mean, you couldn't ask for a better situation than basically breast to breast with the, with the Jake decoy and, and, uh, and she put a great shot on, on a really nice bird and then, uh, took Tate out for an evening hunt and we had one of the coolest stories, um, we got permission for some private land, and uh, the farmer had been seeing these same these same gobblers out in this in their fields pretty much every day. And uh, we set up where we thought we could cut them off, and we set up and ended up being a little bit in the wrong spot. But I was able to call them into the decoys, and the farmer wanted us using a crossbow um, just because he, he I don't know if he wasn't sure about having a kid shooting on his property or. Um, you know, I, I don't know if he thought a kid might accidentally shoot the wrong direction, but safety, he just wanted him using a crossbow, and and uh, Tate ended up having a little farther shot than he wanted and uh, and took the tail feathers off of uh, off of a nice tom. And he was pretty bummed out, but he wanted to go out the next day, and, and uh, we ended up seeing that same bird. We didn't realize it until after he had bagged it, but, but uh, he shot that bird, and and when we opened up the tail fan, sure enough, there were arrow marks from the broadhead, and uh, uh, it came around full circle, and both kids are tagged out. So it's it's just been really good. Birds have been active; they've broke apart nicely. Um, a lot of satellite satellite toms and jakes running around uh, looking for hens. So it's a good time to be out calling. So. Around here, Matt, we're noticing they're starting just in the last couple of days. Talking with some hunters, they're starting to lock up a little bit, and they're starting to pair up now. Are you running into some of that up there, or are they still pretty free-roaming at this point? You know, when you talk about turkey hunting, it's always it's always funny. You you talk to the people who don't, don't do it a ton, um, or the people who use some of the old adages, like, uh, you know, the birds are all henned up. Well, every bird is different, and it's not like every hen is nesting at the exact same time. Um, you know, you can look at beard lengths from, from uh, jakes from the years past, and one group of jakes, you can barely see their beards, and the next one, you know, they they got a full fan and a nice gobble and a five inch five inch stub, and and uh, you know it's because the the hens that they came from nested at time. So you can even move over two miles, and you might find uh, a satellite tom that's been kicked out who's totally willing to come into the call, and uh, you know 
he may have been getting his butt kicked for three weeks straight, and, and he's ready to come into a hen, a hen without a Jake or a hen without a Tom. And uh, uh, people say, oh, you know, the the pressure's going this way, so the fish aren't going to bite. Well, the fish are biting somewhere all the time. You can always find a fish willing to bite. And I guarantee if you're moving around enough and you put yourself in the right position, you can find a turkey that uh, that's willing to be on your table if you if you play things correctly. So. And you mentioned uh, Jake decoys. It doesn't sound like, Matt, you're doing anything too fancy with decoys right now, just something basic, and it's been working for you. Yeah, with, uh, with Nora, um, we ran... Uh, Jake over a hen, and it worked great. Uh, those toms came into the field, and they were like, uh, nope, he doesn't belong here, and they came ready for a fight. Um, with Tate, I ran the same setup, and those birds hung up, and they would not finish into the decoys. Um, so then the following evening, we actually ran just a hen decoy, and uh, you know, just hoping that it wouldn't kind of spook them off, because they were super leery coming in with that Jake over top of that hen so um that's another there's another example i mean those birds were completely different and it was only about 20 miles apart so um but out in south dakota i I doubt we'll even throw a decoy out it's it's all going to be just kind of running and gunning and and calling in the ponderosa pines and and uh sitting real steady and waiting for birds to come looking for a hen yeah, so that's going to be fun to hear how uh, next week when we talk to you uh, how you did out there because it's a little bit different hunting, as you said uh, a few weeks ago, a little bit different terrain and uh, some different tactics. So it's going to be really interesting to see how you do out there. Uh, let's switch gears to fishing, Matt. I did just real quick before we get into ice conditions, uh, touch on Rainy River. What is happening up there? Anything to report? Is it pretty muddy right now? I know you've got a sturgeon trip that you, I believe you did, and you probably head up there again. So what can you tell us there? I was up last week and um, I went up blind, uh, like no electronics. I didn't even have my electronics rigged, um, and I just used my Navionics app on my phone and and found uh, as I tried to get as close to a spot that I normally like to fish, and uh, ended up sitting that in that spot for the entirety of a three quarter day, basically. And um, actually, it was four and a half hours, almost exactly. And uh, we were able to catch 10, and we had a 63-inch tagged fish and a 67 by 28 um, that we ended the day on. So uh, two doubles. I mean, it was it was one of those magical days where everything lined up and every fish was was big except for one. Um, so the river was was really really good to us. We heard from others that day that it was really poor, um, but I think it. it it was a matter of where we were at. We we didn't fish the gap or four mile bay and uh the Big Fork had opened I think it was two days prior to us going up. And I think a lot of that debris and a lot of the the mud and stuff, you know, we were getting a lot of it, but not near as much as it sounded like they were getting down toward the gap and out in four mile bay. Um so I think we were uh east far enough that a lot of that stuff had already gone through. Um and that's that's a lot of why I think we had such good success, but um, but now everything's pushed through. Uh, the rivers are all broken open. All the tributaries have all broken free. And uh, if you're going to head up there sturgeon fishing now, you know, now is kind of the time. The fish are still running. Uh, the river is nice and clean. There is quite a bit of current. We were using uh, actually six ounces, and that was that was working pretty darn good. Um, I would imagine. 
three or four now. Um, I haven't been up there for a week now, but I would guess that that's a, about where you'd want to be in. Lob on those crawlers and hold on because uh, they're going. Well, that's good to hear. So if people are heading up that way, I know we talked to Steve and Frito in last segment, Matt, here locally. We're starting to open up our lakes here pretty good. looks like Gull's open now, uh, Pelican, North Long, and, and Steve said Malax. A lot of the bays are open, waiting for that main body to open. Up by you with some of those lakes that you're used to fishing, uh, are you a little bit behind us, or are things progressing pretty well ice-out-wise by you as well? Uh, oddly enough, I got off work yesterday and everything was still locked up on the north end of lake bemidji and this morning uh when first and i headed out of town the north end was uh, it appeared to be almost completely ice free um and i do know the south end is pretty much ice free and uh and lake irving which is connected to bemidji through the little channel on the mississippi river um that was completely ice free as of the day before yesterday so um so a guy can get out definitely on a lot of the different boxes in the area. Uh, and pretty much everything is either ice-free or at least accessible by boat because all the shorelines had, had broken off uh, with all that warm weather last week. So, so basically keep your, I was going to say, basically uh, anglers that are heading north for the opener, keep your plans because Red, Bemidji, Winnie, Leech, Cass should all be good to go? Yeah, definitely. Um, even when I was up on the rainy, uh, when I came back, um, I checked out, you know, the channel by the river, and I, I would imagine plenty of boats could have could have fit out there. It was a nice nice chunk of open water out from the river, and from the public access there. And then the river was obviously wide open. So, um, so yeah, I I think everyone is really safe to, safe to uh, to keep their plans, and there shouldn't be any issues. I mean, in the past five years, we've had what three years where we'd still be talking about ice conditions right now, but um, surprisingly things, things went away this year, nice and nice and early. And uh, I mean, we're talking plant gardens and start looking for mushrooms pretty soon here. So things are looking good. Yeah. There you go. Matt Brewer, North country guide service in Bemidji. You can check him out at northcountryguides.com. He's all over social media as well. Matt, I appreciate it as always. Good stuff, buddy. Good luck out in South Dakota and uh, check in with us next week. Love to hear how you do. Sounds good. Thanks. More of Brainerd Outdoors after this on B93.3. Welcome back to Brainerd Outdoors on B93.3. And uh, we talk turkey again this week. We bring in Rollin Hill, who's our uh, turkey expert here on the show. And Rollin's getting ready to head back out into the woods. We catch him just about ready to step into it. Before we get in there, though, how have we done, Rollin, since week number one and really the opening of week uh, a turkey season. It seems like looking at what you've done on Facebook and some other friends of mine and hunters and stuff, the birds are pretty active. Yeah, the first week was an absolute great week, like it always is. It seems like uh, you know we had snow what five days before the start of the season. Everybody was all thinking that well, these birds are still going to be together and whatnot. And we kind of knew from our scouting that the birds had separated pretty good and. By the time season got here on the first Wednesday, uh, the birds were absolutely on fire. And my 10-year-old nephew shot his first one at, oh, before school on Wednesday morning, about a quarter to seven. And uh, we had two toms come into uh, our one Jake setup, one Jake decoys, all we always use if we use decoys. And they came in, and uh, two of them came in. They ended up getting the bigger one, and it was just an exciting hunt. But they were on fire that day, and the next morning I went out. I didn't have any hunters to go with, but 
went out and I believe I not only heard probably 10 toms gobbling in 10 different roosts, I think I saw a dozen toms that morning just driving around scouting on the public land that we hunt. And it was an amazing second day. The third day I couldn't hunt, but one of my nephews hunted and he had a nice Jake come in to him. And then just like that on Saturday, it seemed like the birds decided to, uh, join uh, and get married a little bit more so they 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 got into some of that hand up mode on some of the ones that we were hunting and we ended up work pretty hard saturday sunday for up i want to say opportunities for my other two nephews and they weren't able to uh make the connection whether uh whether that one i think scared them away from a little too much movement the other one just didn't want to shoot the bird that gave them the opportunity because it was a jake so um, a great five days and uh, the start of the second season is ironic because the start of the second season that first day was uh, cloudy and rainy and a little bit where we were hunting and it seemed like it kind of shut them up for that first morning but I'm sure that's going to get better as season B continues. What do you like to do, Rollin, once you mentioned they're getting a little locked up right now and they're starting to get married up with some hens, makes things a little tricky uh, than they are usually in that first season. What audible do you like to call at this point and go, okay, now we need to switch over to this mode and hunt a little differently? Well, I think it's, I, I don't change a whole lot because we just keep moving. What I always like to tell people when they're hunting turkeys, they go, well, what are you going to do? How do you do, how do you, uh, how do you call to them or how do you do this? And I always let the Tom dictate what I'm going to do. So a lot of it is how active they're gobbling, how they're moving, if they're moving towards you, if they're not moving with to you or whatever is kind of the way we approach it. So whether or not we got to make a little move to show some movement. And again, we hunt shotgun only. We don't hunt with bows because, um, we just like to hunt with shotguns for no other reason. I just think it's a funner hunt because you can be real mobile. So we may move and try to show more activity in our setup. So we're actually mimicking live birds moving, so not staying stationary and getting moving. And then we always like to, uh, I always like to call a little bit. I can get a little bit more aggressive, whether I do a kiki uh, and then a yelp or a lot of purrs and putts and aggressive uh uh, purrs and putts that go into yelps too so you can get kind of aggressive on them to get them going and especially if they're hand up and a hand talks make sure you're cutting her off so she's yelping just just cut her off in that cane so you're trying to get her upset um, and trying to get her um, to come to you too to try to take a try to get in a little fight so that's those are those are a couple of good hand up tactics um, in addition to not only that, if you're working a tom that's gobbling a lot that's not coming uh, and you've made a mistake of overcalling, which is not necessarily a mistake, be prepared for those other subordinate toms that come in for you because they know that that dominant tom is on it with the hand. So if you're doing a lot of calling, we've had it happen so many times. It happens every year, like clockwork, especially this season B. Toms will come in silent. The subordinate toms will come and they'll be right on top of you. And sometimes they'll either gobble at 30 yards or they'll, or they'll just, you'll hear them make a little bit of a warning putt and you have to get on them quickly. 
but uh, be ready for the subordinates to come in quick because that's usually what happens on season B is what we have found a lot. Have you had your best luck, Rollin, with uh, early morning hunts or later in the evening? Uh, for sure, early morning. It just seems better. Uh, we're, we're actually, you know, there's a couple of toms that we know that are getting a little habitual about their roosts, which is kind of unusual in our area up here, um, especially over in the Aiken area where, you know, we're hunting public land. A lot of times they'll roost one day in one spot and then they'll move a quarter mile, half mile to another spot. But it seems like this year some of the birds are trees or the same area so we're trying to get them and maybe pattern them and coming in back to the roost so knowing where they're going to come try to intercept them coming back in the evenings but the mornings are by far the best but in when it's turkey hunting right in the middle of the day if you can get out in the woods get out in the strut area get somewhere in the sunny days um, lean up against the tree if you if you don't have a blind. If you have a blind, get in the blind. Whichever way you want it, whichever way you want to hunt. Sit, throw out a decoy, or don't throw out a decoy. It's up to you. You hunt them any different way. Make a couple of the Alps. Take a nap. Uh, <laughs> just just anything's going to work. So a lot of things work. It's turkey hunting. You just don't know when it's going to happen. It can just happen. But I prefer the mornings by far. But again, I don't give up any part of the day because we've shot them every hour of the day for many years we've done that so one other thing before we get in we know i want to talk to about talk to you about uh, some hunts you're going to be doing here with uh, camp confidence coming up but uh, one last thing as far as weather goes rollin we've had some windier days here how tricky does that make turkey hunting in the wind yeah great question uh, wind really picked up on saturday and we noticed that um for the first off, that was the first Saturday of the uh, of the season. First off, it gets harder to hear them. So when you're going out and trying to locate them, you just can't locate them as well. And two things with turkeys is when they when you can't hear them, they can't hear very good either. And so they'll have a tendency to come out in some of the more open areas, which just makes sense. Uh, so look for those strut zones or fields. Again. Um, and look for getting in there because then they can see danger more than they can hear danger. So those are really times that you can really make it work. But then you also have to call a little louder. But at the same time, that can, you know, that can work for you or against you. Um, sometimes when you're calling like that, you can, you can scare them off even before you know they're there. Um, if they're getting close or you just will be surprised when they call back to you. But, the wind can definitely be a challenge because really you're, then you start hunting with your eyes more than your ears. And I much rather hunt with my ears than my eyes. I, it always sounds crazy, but I, not only when they gobble, but when they're close and they're in the woods listening for them, strutting and, and, uh, spitting and drumming, that sort of thing. You gotta, you gotta be able to hear that. So to know where the bird is, especially if they go silent on you. And one last thing, uh, Confidence Learning Center, I believe, is celebrating its 50th anniversary here coming up, Rollin, and you're going to be taking part in that with uh, a couple of hunts that you're going to be hosting. Yes, uh, last uh, last weekend in June for their big uh, golf fundraiser and their fishing fundraiser, um, they have this live auction, and what they did was they live auctioned uh, overnight stay of 
um, at camp confidence and I'm bringing them out turkey hunting. So it, uh, raised great money for, for camp, um, uh, for the campers that use camp, uh, each and every year. And I'm going to take them out, uh, May 4th and 5th, I believe it should be Saturday, Sunday, uh, a week from this show when it gets aired. And we're hoping to be able to do it. And what I'm going to do is, we have access to that camp land, which is great. There's some birds back there in the far areas. We can actually go as far as we can back. Um, if not, um, we're going to go find public land up in the somewhere out in that area uh, to find a uh, tom or two. And uh, definitely excited for that. It's going to be a great hunt for a great cause. So um, we're, I'm, I'm going to look forward to that, I think, my youngest son. Uh, Kinder's going to help uh, maybe locate birds or take out one of the one of the two hunters. So uh, that should be fun. And again, it goes for a great cause. Absolutely. So we appreciate you taking part in that, Rollin. It's Rollin Hill. He is our turkey insider here on Brainerd Outdoors, and we will be having him on the show uh, from time to time here throughout the spring and throughout the turkey season. Rollin, I appreciate the info as always. Good luck out in the woods, and we'll talk to you here real soon. Okay. Yes. Good luck to everybody and. Thanks, Mooney. We'll talk to you soon. More of Brainerd Outdoors after this on B93.3. Welcome back to Brainerd Outdoors on B93.3. Our good friend Chef Joel of Black Bear Lodge and Saloon joins us again this week. Joel, welcome back. Oh, thank you. And what a recipe you have for us this week. Uh, we were Here you are, Johnny, on the spot with a smoked trout dip. So we're going to take some trout that we've just freshly caught. We're going to clean it up. And we're going to throw it in the smoker. You know, we're going to smoke it probably, you know, three to, I suppose three hours, four hours. I'm not exactly sure how long. Make sure it's nice and tender. Take that out, cool it down. We're going to break it all apart, take the skin off. You know, just kind of break it up into nice chunks. We're going to take some uh, shallots and a little bit of garlic, saute that down in some butter, just enough to soften up the shallots a little bit. Hit it with just a little bit of white wine if you have it laying around. If you don't, no worries. And we'll set that aside and let it cool down. We're going to take some sour cream, some cream cheese that's been kind of softened in the counter for a while, some capers and some fresh lemon juice, fresh dill, and take all your uh, smoked trout, the onion or the shallots and garlic you had, and mix it all together. Put it all up together. And that's basically all I got to do. Add a little salt and pepper. And we'll toss it on some crackers or some crusty bread. Or Away you go. Away you go. Now, I love trout, so I'm going to try this as is. But say there's somebody out there that doesn't like trout, could you substitute, say, a salmon with something like salmon this? Salmon would be awesome in this as well. My nice firm fish. You know, I mean, you know, a walleye or something's going to break apart. Or, right. You know, that's just not going to. Yeah, it's not going to hold up. Give it a try. Uh, it's on our website right now. Go to BrainerdOutdoorsRadio.com. Click on the recipes tab, and you can try our smoked trout dip. Chef Joel, Black Bear Lodge and Saloon, 371 North and Baxter. Thanks, Joel. Thank you, Brian. And that will wrap up this week's show. Don't forget, you can catch Brainerd Outdoors just after 7, Saturday mornings, Sunday evenings at 7, and Monday mornings at 5 right here on B93.3. Don't forget, you can stream the live show if you're away from your radio or out of town at BrainerdOutdoorsRadio.com, click on the Listen Live tab. You can also find the show on demand there. And, of course, we're all over the podcast network, whether it be iTunes, Podcast One, wherever you download podcasts. Search Brainerd Outdoors, download, subscribe, rate, and review. We would appreciate that as well. We'll see you next weekend for another edition of Brainerd Outdoors. I'm Brian Moon. 
Brainerd Outdoors has been brought to you by Vermal Shoe Store, Randall, Newman Construction, Zealand Meats, and Little Falls, SCR Northern, the guys who answer the phone, Northern Sales and Manufacturing, your Ice Castle dealer in Pine River, Dotsler Power Equipment of Aiken, Tracker Boating Center of Brainerd, Oars and Mine and Crosby, Bimert Outdoors Archery Pro Shops, The Power Lodge, S&W Bait and Tackle, Crow Wing Recycling, Black Bear Lodge and Saloon, and by Radco, your truck accessory pros. Join Brian Moon just after 7 Saturday mornings, Sunday evening at 7, and Monday mornings at 5 for another edition of Brainerd Outdoors right here on B93.3.